0: We're so glad that you are here with us in the second service. Can you guys believe that Easter is next week? It's early this year, isn't it? It's one of these early Easters and it still doesn't feel right. It's still kind of cold out there. We are glad that you are with us. And what I've been praying for you this week is this I've been praying and leading into this week is that this this week is called Holy Week, it's Palm Sunday where we celebrate Jesus Christ, we celebrate his love. Now, we celebrate that every day, his, his sacrifice. But there's a heightened awareness in your life to that as a believer this week. Amen? Right? Are you thinking about that? You're thinking about all that Jesus did for you and, and what he went through for you, that he was raised on the, on the third day from the dead, and we will celebrate that. We celebrate it every day, but especially this upcoming week. And I'm really praying that you're going to just take all that in this week you'll really just kind of slow down to take that in in your life. But here's what I'm really also praying for you uh, if you are a believer. And I've been praying this for myself as well. I mean, it's one thing for me to take all that in for myself. That's good. Jesus did that for me. And he did that for you. But here's what, what I'm just really asking God to do in our lives, in our church this year at Easter, is that you will encounter and experience a love of God so greatly in your life. It may not even be in this church service or whatever. It may just be while you're out there. Or maybe you open your Bible and you just read and you... Or maybe someone shares something with you or you hear another pastor preach and you just experience that love of Jesus in a powerful way. And in that moment, you would not only realize how much that love of Christ is not only for you, But it is for people that are all around you that need to hear that same kind of message. That need to hear about the gospel the way that you have heard about the gospel, right? That Jesus has changed your life. I'm praying that for you this week. That you won't just keep it to yourself. That you won't just take it in for yourself, but God will do something in you that will be so powerful that you will not be able to just, you, you can't help but tell people around you what God has done in your life. We're in this series called The Eyes of Our Beholder. And then the first week, Pastor Randy spent some time breaking down Romans chapter 8, expressing to us, as Paul does, how much we are loved by God and the gospel changes our life, Okay. We wanted you to start off by understanding how much you're loved. And when you understand how God sees you because of the gospel in light of that, what that does is it it, it changes the way. And what I did last week was I talked about how God wants us to start seeing our problems. We all have problems. We all have struggles. We're all going through stuff. But when you finally grasp that even though you have problems, that God still loves you, he's working in the midst of your problems, even how you can't maybe even see them with your own eyes right now, you begin to understand that. Let me tell you what that does. That frees you up to start noticing other people around you. But when you don't understand first how much you're loved, and you doubt that, and you question that on a regular basis, then you've got problems in your life, What happens to most of us, our focus turns completely inward on our problems. It turns completely on ourselves. But when you start grasping how much, even in your problems, God loves you and he's working in them in ways you can't see, it frees you up to do something that is a core value that we have here at EBC, and that is to turn our focus out. We're all about that. We've been about that from day one, and we talk about it a lot because God talks about it a lot. He talks about it a lot in his, in his uh, you know, Bible that he speaks to us as how his focus is outward. And so, you know, we want to op- open our focus to others. Write this down if you're taking some notes. Here's a great thing to write down, just a key thought. And I hope that you'll, you'll get this today. And here's what it is. You were made by God to be a conduit of God's blessing to others. Did you know that? You're made to be a conduit. But many of us think we're just a container, We want God to bless us. And absolutely, I pray God blesses you. But do you realize this? God has blessed you. How many of you would say you have been blessed by God? Would you just testify to that today? Has God saved you? Has he done something remarkable in your life? Can we get an amen, right? I mean, God has blessed us, but he's blessed us to be a blessing to others. You've been blessed to be a conduit, a channel of that, not just a container. You have hope now. You have a future. You have experienced His grace and His mercy, many of you who are believers, okay? And we're going to celebrate that this week when we talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. There's a heightened awareness to that. You celebrate that this week, but this week, as we think about Jesus' sacrifice I'm going to challenge you this week to start thinking about the sacrifice Jesus made for others, not just you, and what he did for other people around you. So as we're contemplating that and we think about what the motive is in why Christ came for us, the, the, the book of Romans tells us in chapter five, verse eight, that God proved his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But that love's not just for you, it's for other people. And God wants to work through you and, in fact, we're going to look in the gospel of Luke chapter 13. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me today. In Luke chapter 13, we're going to look at an incredible story that models for us what the love of Jesus looks like in the way that we should love people around us, okay? Now, while you're turning in your Bibles, I want to bring a passage up on the screen. Uh, you can write it down and look at it maybe a little later. But I want to invite us to say this passage out loud. It's 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. I want to invite our congregation to say that with me, we say it with me let's say it out loud anyone who does not love does not know god for god is i mean that's a simple verse right if you don't love you don't know god is what he's saying if you're not a loving now the reverse implication is this is that if you have come into a loving experience a loving relationship with jesus christ that should produce some fruit in your life that means you are a more loving person It means that you produce this fruit. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Many of you know that. It's what? Love. That's the first thing mentioned. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What's the last one? Self-control. We don't like that one, okay? And uh, that's a tough one. But here is the deal. See, when you start getting how much God loves you, you see it and it takes root in your soul, you start realizing how much he loves you, how he views you, what he's done for you. It starts doing something and producing something in you in the manner in which you look at other people. Now, here is the the other implication of this passage in John is that if you are not a loving person, if you don't have love in your heart for other people, then what John, in essence, would say in a lot of that book, that little letter, is that, that your faith maybe isn't what you think it is. In fact, what John was saying, in some cases, your faith maybe just might be a little bit of fiction. And so I want to just talk today, we're going to, we're going to talk about uh, in the next few moments about what does it look like to love people the way that God loves people? How do we love in the manner in which God has shown us love? To get a picture of that, I don't know any better way than just to look at a story of Jesus and to see how he engages with people and how he models this for us, okay? And, and, and in fact, what Picasso is to painting, Jesus is to love. Alright, when you think of Picasso, you think of artwork and painting. When you think of Jesus, you should think of love because it said God is love, okay? So look at me in Luke chapter 13. Let's start in verse 6. And Jesus is gonna tell this story, okay? And he's talking to people here, and he's he's really gonna he's been calling them to repentance. He's calling all of Israel, all of God's chosen people here in Israel, to repent and to turn back to God. And now he's gonna tell a story, and this is an incredible story. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree. Now I'm just going to uh, just kind of cue you in early. He's telling this story about Israel and how their faith has turned into this stale religious experience that has really no love within it. It has no fruit within it. And he's calling them out, okay? So this is what he says a man planted a fig tree. That's Israel. In his garden, and he came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always, what does the word say? Disappointed. Every time he came, and he's the fruit inspector, not me, okay? But he's coming, and he's looking for fruit, and he's not seeing fruit, and he was what? Disappointed with this. Why was he disappointed? Because he had chosen them to be a conduit of blessing, and they weren't doing it. They were keeping it to themselves, Okay, They were chosen by God. They were selected by God to be a blessing to the nations is what the scripture says. Israel was called by God to bless the nations. He blessed them to bless others. Do you know this? That the Bible says about those of us who are believers that you are a chosen people. That you are a royal priesthood. That you are a holy nation. So you also have been blessed to be a blessing. But Israel was fruitless. When he came looking, they were inward focused. They were missing the Messiah who was in their very presence right in front of their eyes. And I wonder this, how often do we miss Jesus who is right in front of us, right? On a regular basis. How often do we miss that? Okay, let's carry on. And it goes on in verse 7. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. I've kept coming and looking and I don't see any fruit. There's no fruit. What does he say? Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. Okay. Now, even in the midst of fruitlessness, you see an example of graciousness of God. You see God waiting still. He's being patient with people, giving people who are being fruitless time to repent. And that's what Jesus is doing is he's giving time. He's saying, I'm going to give some time for you to get this straight. I've called you to produce fruit. I've called you to be fruitful in my name, to be a blessing, a conduit of blessing for others, not to just be a container of my blessing all for yourselves is what he's saying And so what you need to know about this passage is he's talking about the fruitless existence, the fruitless existence of religion without God's grace. That's what he's pointing out. Without love. They were a group of people that knew how to come to synagogue or how to come to a gathering. They knew how to go through the motions. They knew how to to offer up prayers. They knew how to go through the rituals. They knew all the rules and were good at pointing out the rules and who was breaking the rules. But you need to understand this. Jesus is saying that their religion was void. It was was devoid of love, compassion, grace. There was no relationship that was going on. And you'll hear us say this on a regular basis that jesus came to replace rules religion and rituals with a relationship with him amen right that's why he came can i tell you this week when you're going out and you're looking for people and you're seeing people the way jesus sees people you need to understand they don't need more religion do they are people tired of that absolutely are people weary of that That word religion anyway, it means oppression. It means bondage, okay? They don't need more religion. They don't don't need a fruitless kind of religion. What people are looking for and what people need in their life is a person who's in relationship with Christ that's going to produce something out of their life that's going to impact them in such a way That that fruit is going to come forth from this. So as the passage progresses, okay, we're really digging in here. He's now going to show them and he's going to paint a picture for them of what that looks like. What does it look like to start living out your faith, not just going through the motions of the faith? What does it look like to produce fruit? Jesus is going to model this. So so I challenge the first service, and I want to challenge you today. I've challenged myself all this week in preparation. I'm challenging myself going into this week of, of Easter and Holy Week. We can go in and go through the motions. We know how to do it. We know how to go to church. We know how to come to this place. We know how to go through the motions. We know how to come on Easter Sunday, all right? And we know how to do those things. And you can go through the motion, and it's fruitless religion. But here's what I want to challenge you in. This week, I want to just, as you're contemplating the love of Jesus Christ, I want every person who calls himself a Christian, including me, I want, I want us to ask ourselves, what kind of faith does mine look like? Do I have one that is fruitless? Or is my faith vibrant? Is there, is there fruit that's being born out of, my, out of my life? Do I have a stale faith like what Jesus was calling out? Do I have a fruitless, religious kind of faith? Or do I look more like Jesus, okay? And that, and that might make us a little bit uncomfortable, but I think sometimes God wants to scoot us out of our comfortable places, amen? And so God's going to do that with us today. Filter this passage with those questions. What does my faith look like? Don't think about your spouse or other people. Think about what does my faith look like? Is it fruitless or, or, or is God, or, is people, are people noticing something that's different in my life? Okay, let's, let's move on, all right? Jesus is going to show us what, what this kind of faith looks like. One Sabbath day, verse 10, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, what do the next things say? Say it with me. He what? He saw the eye of our beholder. The eyes of our beholder. He saw. He saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. I was thinking about that, putting that in perspective. This woman's bent over with some kind of condition. Bent over double like this. Everywhere she goes, walking like this. It'd be like one of you being like that since 1998. Can you imagine what that condition would be like? See, that's another part of seeing people is kind of, you, you, you kind of put yourself in their place. You start thinking about what would that be like to, to be in that person's shoes. We have no idea, you know, what's going on with people. Now look at the rest of this. When Jesus, what does it say again? When Jesus, say it with me, saw her. Okay, And take note of that, the eyes of our beholder. When he saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he, what did he do, church? Notice, what did he do? He touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. And when a person has an, an encounter with the living Messiah, not just religion, what does it say she did next? How she what? Praised God. How she praised God. Have some of you experienced that when you encountered Jesus? Where it was just like, he changed me. How he, how she praised God. Now, from this encounter, I want to give you some challenges, okay? That if you'll apply these, and I'll apply these, could not only change your Easter week going into this week, this could change your life. This could change how you interact with people from here on out, and, and by the way, that could be just an, an, an incredible thing for you and for the people around you. If we're going to see people the way God sees people, if we're going to have the eyes of our beholder and see people the way he sees us, getting our, our, our eyes not so much focused on our problems, the problems are still there, we have a new perspective because we know how much he loves us. He's working even in the midst of our problems. That frees me up to look for other people. It frees me up to minister to others around me, okay? Here's what we're going to have to do. Number one, write this down. If you're going to love like Jesus loves, you're going to have to open your eyes. We must open our eyes together. And you say, my eyes are open all week, all day, all the time. Well, let me just, let me just kind of uh, clue you in on something I noticed about myself this week. I had a little bit of a revelation uh, about myself. And many of you will relate to this. I was in a restaurant shocker, this week, okay, I was doing something I love to do, eat, and I was in there getting lunch, I was by myself on this day, and uh, getting some lunch, and I was in a busy restaurant, everybody was busy, there was a lot of noise going on in there, but it was just kind of people just hustling, bustling about, and I was doing what I most often will do uh, whenever I'm having a meal like that, I had my phone right in front of me. And I'm looking through emails. I'm busy doing this, trying to stuff my face at the same time. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to text people back. And I'm, I need to, you know, maybe call this person. I'm making notes to myself. I'm sending myself emails because I forget things. Okay, do you do that? Okay. And, uh, and I'm just sitting there. I am engaged with this device. And I don't know. I put my phone down for just a minute. I don't know if it was because I knew I was going to be preaching on something like this. God just kind of spoke to me. I just looked around this room and I that I was in and I counted 27 other people on their phones at that moment and nobody was talking. It was weird. I mean, everyone was engaged with their device. And, and again, I'm, I'm as bad as anybody in this, okay? And I just started noticing this. And I started noticing that everyone was kind of looking at this. Nobody was talking. There were people who were even all sitting at a table together, and they weren't talking. They Three of them were all on their devices, and nobody was talking. And, and I noticed that my family, I noticed when we went to a meal this week, we were doing the same thing. And, of course, I called them out because I saw it, you know? And... Uh, And they're like, why is dad pointing this out now? But I just realized this. We can get so engaged in and kind of inward focused and looking at our devices today. What God really showed me that day is that you and I, we can be at a place and not be at the place. Are you with me? How many of you believe in divine appointments? Do you believe God crosses people in your path? I know he does, right? I wonder how many times we've missed people God wanted us to engage with because and I'm not saying if you're doing this, you're wrong all the time. But but if we are so focused on this, we are missing divine appointments. What and God may want to speak to us about that today? We got to open our eyes. Now, obviously, in Jesus's day, the people in the synagogue weren't doing this, OK, or whatever. They weren't there. But as Jesus is teaching about this, you need to know, because some of us are like, well, I don't have a problem with that. But for many of us, we're just busy. How many of you are busy? Do you live busy lifestyles? Yes, we're busy and we're just trying to get to the next event. And our calendars are so filled up. Well, what I, I, I learned about this passage and I thought about this was Jesus was in was this part of his ministry where people were coming to him like crazy and they were coming around him, crowding around him. And he was, he was absolutely very busy. But on this day, he's in the synagogue and he's been expounding on the teaching of the scripture. The Bible says there was a crowd gathered around him. They're pressing in and people are tugging at him and pulling at him, and everybody wants something from him. And I know some of you feel that way that everybody always wants something from me. You know, I don't even have time because people are always tugging at me in so many different directions. But here's what I notice about this He sees this woman, he opens his eyes, he notices her in the crowd, he notices an individual. He doesn't just see. It'd be like me kind of speaking to all of you today. Now, I would terrify you if I did this, I know. But me just pointing one person out and noticing that and stopping everything right now because I see something going on with you. Some of you are going, please don't call my name. Please don't call my name, right? Okay, but you know what I'm saying? He stopped. He stopped and, and, and this is just so powerful to me as he locks eyes in with her. He saw her in the busyness of this crowd. He was moved with compassion. Something was moved within his heart and his soul at that moment. It doesn't say that she came to him for healing. He just, he just is observant and he sees her in her condition that she's in. Even in the midst as he's teaching about a relationship with God and fruitless religion. Okay, and he's talking about this and there are all of these people surrounding this woman. He looks around and he sees this and many of them maybe had ignored her. Maybe she just kind of they got used to her. But here's what this instance tells me about God. And I hope you'll catch this today and feel the love in your heart and want to pass it on. Here's what it tells me. One of the greatest miracles of this Bible right here and in your Bible is this. And the miracle of Easter that we're celebrating going into this week is that God pays a attention to the individual that he loves the individual not just a crowd that he notices you as an individual he knows about the details of your life in fact the scripture says that he has the very hairs on your head numbered and when one falls out he knows about it now it's not been my experience that he replaces them okay but he does know about every single thing he saw this woman he saw this woman and he and, and, and you know and and people maybe had quite often passed over her. And that's what he has called us to see people and not pass over them. God has divine appointments that he wants you to keep. But if you're so engaged only in your phone or only in, in you know, other people that aren't even there present with you, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you're on uh, digital or social media and you're blessing someone at that moment, okay? But here's the thing, what I'm saying. I just noticed Jesus looked at people. I noticed that Jesus made eye contact with people. Jesus spoke to people, as you'll see, okay? In fact, there's another passage of Scripture. You can write it down and look at it later. It's in Matthew chapter 9. I like the way that the message reads, reads in this he sa- it says when he what does it say looked he saw again he's noticing people he's taking a look around him when he looked out over the crowds this is what happened his heart broke so he's not only noticing people his heart breaks he's moved with compassion because he sees this in their eyes that they're confused many of them were aimless they're like sheep with no shepherd. He noticed not only just people passing by. Jesus was giving, giving them such attention. He noticed their countenance. He noticed what they were like. He might speak to people, you know, when, when, when uh, you know, they needed a word spoken to them. I like this passage. You can write this down and look at it later. But it's a blessing. It's a, a prayer of blessing prayed over people. And it's in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. But I noticed this in this prayer this week. It says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his, what does it say, church? Face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The Lord's looking you in the eye. He's not too busy for you. He turns his face towards you. He gives you his attention. And when you give a person complete, undivided attention, you're interested in what it is that's happening in their life. Do you know what you're showing? You are showing love. That is love. That you're not too busy for people. That you're not so absorbed in yourself and your own problems. You notice people. Don't you hate trying to talk to somebody and they won't even look at you? Or they won't look in their eye? Don't you? I especially hate trying to talk to somebody and they're looking at their phone the whole time. All right? I, I, and it, it just annoys me to death whenever I'm trying to have a conversation and they won't look at me. You know, and and I've been guilty of that too. We're all in the same boat. We all can get too busy. We all can can get distracted. But I just think it's important that we recognize that people need us to give attention. So here's the practical application for you, okay? Here's what you can do with this. A couple of observations about our world that we live in today is that first of all, there are all kinds of people around you who are in your sphere of influence that are waiting to be noticed. And they may dress Okay, they may dress fine, they may have money, they they may be doing all right in their life, supposedly, or they look like they have it all together. You may pass them by every day, they may have a good job, they may live in a great neighborhood, drive a nice car, all of that. But on the inside, there are many of them that are dying for somebody to, to pay attention and notice them for you just to notice, for you just to, to, to realize that they're a human being, that they're a person. Many of them, like Jesus said, are wandering aimlessly, trying to figure life out like sheep without a shepherd, is the way Jesus describes them and he wants to be their shepherd. So here's the second thing I want to challenge you to do this week, okay? I, I, I don't want you just to be a, a hearer of the word today. Church, we need to be doers of the word, as James says. We're going to put this into practice. Here's the next thing. Even though you're busy, I want to challenge you to intentionally slow down. Slow down. I, I had an interesting experience last night. We were on our way home, and we hadn't had time to prepare Uh, a meal for our family. We were out and about. So we decided to stop and grab a pizza at one of the local pizza places. And, uh, and I was really excited about that. Okay. And, uh, and so we stopped off and there were three cars we were all going to be doing kind of takeout. Uh, there were three of us that kind of pulled up all at the same time. Okay. The race was on. Okay. You need to know. There was one man in another car, there was a lady who was in her car, and, and we, I was parked the farthest away, and so we all got out at the same time, the race was on, I lost, I was the last one there, okay, all right, and there, and, and this, this man and this woman, though, were jockeying for position, she gets there before him, does the nice thing, opens the door for this guy, He goes in, and rather than letting her go on ahead, he goes straight to the counter. I'm standing behind watching all this go down. She looks at me and says, I opened the door for this guy, and he goes straight to the counter. And I said, let me get that door for you. You go right on ahead or whatever. And it was funny. I knew I was going to be preaching on this. I needed another illustration, so that's why I did this, all right? I knew I needed to slow down. So so it's funny. I told her, I said, I'm not in any hurry. And she said, I'm, I'm right here holding the door because my, my kids are right there. I'm by myself. I'm in a hurry. I'm struggling. I've got to get them something to eat. I said, I'll hold the door. I'll watch your kids. I'm right here. We're all good. I'm not going over there. I'm not a creeper. I'm helping, okay? And this is all going on. And she just said, it's just so crazy. We live in a world people are so busy and so inconsiderate or whatever. And it just, again, it just kind of drove home the point all I did was stand there and just slow down, and it was just a very simple act of kindness. Now, if I'd gotten there a little sooner, I don't know what I happened. I can't, I can't say, <laughs> but it didn't happen, okay? And so I'll take some credit at that point. I just, I just want to encourage you, slow down this week. Slow down a little bit. You're going to have to make yourself do this. You're going to have to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to notice people this week. I'm going to do some random act of kindness. I'm going to show some kindness to somebody that I don't even know. Or, you know I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to let the love of Christ shine in my life. Slow down. See people. When you look at Jesus, you know what you'll find? He was incredibly busy, but you will never see Jesus rushing through life. Jesus knew he had divine appointments, and, and sometimes people would be tugging at him, saying, You got to come do this. Sometimes people would get mad at him because he would slow down so much and engage with the people that were around him. Okay? And, and that, I, I just think that, that he's modeling that for us. There are divine appointments you have this week, don't miss those appointments. God may want you to do something and speak into someone's life. If, 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 if we want to see people the way he does, we to have to open our eyes, pay attention to people, slow down, put our devices down for a period of time. Look around us. Is, is God wanting me to do something in this place? Is God wanting me to do some, some nice thing for some person that that may be the only nice thing someone does for them all week, okay? Um, life application point. Intentionally slow down, notice people. Here's the second thing. If you are going to love people, the way Jesus did, if you're going to be on fire for him, vibrant in your faith, understanding how much he loves you, you're in the midst of your problems and you have a new perspective so you can start seeing other people. Let me tell you what that's going to mean. If you're going to love the way Jesus loved, this means this, you're going to have to take a risk. When you love like Jesus did, it was risky. When you love in that manner, it is risky. In this Bible passage um, Jesus saw this woman, but he, he took this risk to speak to her, okay? It's a risky thing. Think about this. It was risky socially for him. Um, Jewish men did not speak to, to uh, Jewish women out in public like this. This was not in the culture. You didn't do that. You certainly didn't touch them. You certainly didn't, you know, in any way do this. And by the way, as Jesus did this, what happened? If you'll keep reading, he gets criticized, he gets criticized for doing this. And do you think Jesus might have done this on the Sabbath for a reason? What do you think? Oh, yeah. He definitely did everything with a purpose. But, but this wasn't in the order of service in the synagogue. This wasn't, you know, something that was culturally acceptable. It wasn't proper protocol. Think about how this woman must have felt even as well. She's kind of now the attention is drawn to her. It might have been awkward. It may have been embarrassing for her. She's physically disabled in this manner for the last 18 years. Now this rabbi calls her out and calls her to the front. Can you imagine if if we did this today? Here's the point. When you choose to demonstrate a bold and kind of radical, and I would even call a reckless kind of love the way Christ did, it will get risky and it will get messy. Because we are broken and we are messed up. And when you get involved, when you choose to actually get involved, sometimes it really gets messy. Our temptation is always to play it safe. Our temptation is to withdraw, especially we as Christians. We can withdraw into our Christian bubble. We don't want to be out in the midst of the world, you know, and so we withdraw to ourselves. But I want you to know something God's not calling us here at EBC to pull our money together, to move up into the mountains and form a little commune up there and, and be in our Christian bubble all by ourselves. Do you know why? God wants you and me out there, He wants us out there with people who need the gospel, the way you have the gospel and I have the gospel. He, he wants us to take a risk. And when you get involved in the brokenness of the world, it gets messy. If we're going to be a church that takes risks and gets involved, and we really say we welcome broken people that are messed up, can I tell you, ministry like that gets messy. And it gets challenging and it gets difficult and, and it's, sometimes it's hard to figure out what to do. But it gets messy because Jesus got involved in the messes of our lives. Can I just ask you something? Are you glad Jesus got involved in the mess of your life? I am because my life is a mess without him. I don't know where I'd be without Jesus. Where would I be? I mean, I, 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 I can't even fathom what that would be like. I want you to hear a story of Mike. And Thomas, many of you know Mike Keller. Mike is on fire for Jesus. He's upstairs teaching many of your kids right now about Jesus because he loves Christ. Mike is in my life transformation group and, uh, and, and Ken is, is as well. We started this just a few weeks ago. And Mike and I have been in a life group together for a while. Mike's on fire for Jesus. He has a hard time keeping his mouth shut about Jesus. He loves Christ. He loves Jesus because he's changed his life so much and, you know, Mike started talking about, about a friend of his, and I'm going to let the video tell the story, but he started asking many of you to pray about this. And I just, when I started putting this message together, I couldn't help but think about the story of Mike and Thomas. And so watch this story. It's powerful.
1: My name is Mike Keller. Uh, we've been attending Eagles View Church for a little over two years now. Didn't grow up as a Christian. uh, Didn't uh, go to church just a handful of times. Through uh, through high school and and into my uh, young adult life, uh, I began using drugs and uh, started filling my life with other things. And eventually got married. As time went on, we had two kids, and uh, I can feel that me and my wife were starting to pull apart. uh, Something was happening, uh, drugs became a big part of my life. We moved to Omaha, Nebraska, and um, something changed. I was given a Bible when I was 19, and I held on to that Bible for, for 11 years, always had it in my car with me, drove around in it, and uh, for the first time as my life began to start to unwind, I opened it up. Uh, I was baptized with uh, my wife, in 2007 together, and uh, since then my uh, kids have have come to know Jesus and uh, and have experienced the peace that uh, the Bible says passes all understanding. I met uh, uh, Thomas in uh, 2002. I was an unbeliever then, and uh, we worked as salespeople together. We became friends. I had moved away uh, to Omaha and again got saved. I came back to Texas and in, in, uh, in, in 2014, and uh, we reconnected on Facebook. When I met up with him, I found out that uh, his his life had, had turned for the worse. He had uh, contracted HIV uh, through his lifestyle and, uh, and and drugs and were a big part of his life. I felt extremely uncomfortable after he shared that with me. Uh, as a former drug user myself, I knew that a um, continuing relationship with him would have been a temptation that I didn't know I'd be able to, to deal with. He continued to reach out. Uh, I knew he needed help. So I began to uh, share with him more about the gospel truth and he was very angry. He did not want to hear it. Uh, he was a, a, an active atheist, had actually involved with many movements for atheism. Uh, he, he gave up on life. He told me that uh, he contemplated suicide. I mean, it was clear that he'd let himself go as, as a man, and his parents and his friends had, had turned their back to him. He, he continued to reach out to me because he knew I was receptive. And I asked him, was it okay if others prayed for you? And he said, sure, if you think that's gonna do anything. And uh, so I'd asked my life group to uh, become involved to pray for a a change, and uh, so they did. One of the things that Thomas wasn't doing was eating or taking care of himself, so some of the ladies had had put some meals together. I got the meals, and I drove out to Arlington, and I didn't do it right away. I kind of got lazy, and uh, I knew I had to go out there, and I hadn't talked to him in a while, and I showed up um, at his place unannounced, and, and he was outside. He had uh, shared with me that uh, he was going to end his life that night uh, with, with heroin and uh, it was it was on the table and I uh, was in his apartment and he told me that uh, me showing up that day with that food um, g- had given him some hope and uh, that he wasn't going to do it that night he had a pie that he had gotten and he he said this was morbid but He was going to eat that as his last supper and uh, asked me, since he wasn't going to kill himself that night, if I would sit down and and eat that with him, that he wanted me to. And uh, so I prayed, and it was the first time that I saw Thomas bow his head. Most of my conversations with him were uncomfortable and discouraging, but I continued to ask God to give me grace and mercy through that and uh, continued to meet needs that I could, uh, no matter how inconvenienced I was, uh, would drive out to Arlington and do what I could to show him that that Jesus is real. I bought him a Bible about 45 days ago uh, with his name on it, and uh, he began to read it. Today, uh, I believe him as a saved man. He, uh, he shared with me that he's 100% convinced that God sent me to save him from a life of hopelessness and despair. The people in the treatment facility, as he's been going to church every Sunday, more and more are starting to attend and the, the Holy Spirit has become contagious in this place. This man was a atheist, and now he is a believer in Jesus Christ. It took, at least from my perspective, God to show me that I had to be obedient, uh, that I had to be living sacrificially. I thought I was, but I was not living sacrificially at all. Sacrificially means that you do what you're told to do when you don't want to do it. And that's, that's what I did. I didn't want to get up in the morning and drive out there. I didn't want to put myself in a position where there was drugs and uh, prostitution. I didn't want to get into his life because it was messy and uh, it took me uh, asking God to uh, help me surrender my selfishness and um, what God did was he saved him. He used me to uh, to minister to him, to show him the love of Christ, which uh, has changed his life forever.
0: We just give God an applause for changing lives. Amen, right? Amen. God changed Mike's life. God's changed Thomas' life. God's changed yours life, Uh, your life. Who does he want to change because of you, right? You getting involved in someone's life. I love stories like that. Don't you love God's stories? Amen? Hearing what God is doing, I love hearing that. That's what we're here for, is to be that conduit of blessing. Did you hear Mike say over and over again, it was uncomfortable. It was risky. It was messy. I didn't know about this. Sometimes I got lazy. I just... We can get apathetic. We can just get absorbed in our life, you know, our own life and forget about people. God put Thomas in Mike's life. And I'm glad Mike didn't miss that appointment. But you know what? Thomas is even more glad Mike didn't miss that appointment. Thomas is going to be in heaven today. Because of that, we praise God for that. Who is God calling you to reach out to this week? It might even be someone, I hate to say this, That you don't even like. Doesn't God have a way of doing that? He may even ask you to love on somebody that is not even like you. Or you don't even like. Didn't he say, you know, something about that? That, hey, even the tax collectors and and those folks can love on people that that are like them, who's he calling you to reach out? When you love people, you might even get rejected. So let me ask, who do you need to love in this world that is not easy for you to love? Let your heart dream for a minute with me. I thought about this all week. What would it look like if in all three of our services in this community, this church of people, this group of people, we just today decided, you know what, we're going to love like Jesus loves. We're going to go out of this place. We're not just going to hear the word today, say great word, loved hearing that today and not live any differently. What if we were mobilized on mission, living sent for God out there? And I'm not even talking about preaching the gospel. I'm just talking about loving people the way Jesus loved people. What might happen in our community? I bet if you found a church that was filled with that much love, filled with that many people loving like that, we would have to probably close the doors because we couldn't get them all in here, right? Because of a group of people that love like that, God has called us to love like this. What if we unleashed an army of loving people like this? Listen to this story. I love this story about a bold preacher named Tony. Tony had flown from the East Coast to Hawaii. And because of the time change and the jet lag, he couldn't sleep in the middle of the night. So he got up and he walked outside of his hotel and saw a diner down on the corner. And so he went to the little diner there. And when he went in there to the diner at 3 o'clock in the morning, their local time where he was at... The pe- there, were, there were only a small group of people that were in there. There was the guy that was behind the counter. There was a group of women that was sitting together at a, uh, at a, a booth over there, and Tony was sitting in close proximity. And, and after kind of eavesdropping on their conversations, which is what we preachers like to do, okay, they makes great sermon illustrations. We hear those kinds of things. As he eavesdropped, He discovered this as they heard them talking that this was a group of prostitutes that were sitting at this booth in this diner in the middle of uh, Honolulu in the middle of the night. One of them, their name, one of the ladies' name was Agnes. And she was telling the other ladies that since it was three in the morning that that was her birthday. Today was her birthday. She tells these ladies that she has never had a birthday party and Tony overhears this. (laughs) Tony, when the ladies left... I went to the guy behind the counter, discovered that these ladies came in that place every night at the same time, and he had an idea, so he asked the guy behind the counter if he could throw a birthday party for Agnes at 3 o'clock the next morning when they come back in. And the guy said, sure, that'd be okay. And here's how Tony describes what happens. I'm just going to read it to you, okay? He writes about this. He says, at 2.30 the next morning, I was back at the diner. I'd picked up some crepe paper decorations at the store and had made a sign out of big pieces of cardboard that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes. The woman that did the cooking at the diner must have gotten the word out on the street because at 3.15, it seemed like every prostitute in Honolulu was in that place. It was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me, the preacher. You think that was uncomfortable? At 3.30, the door of the diner swung open and in came Agnes and her friends. And I had everyone poised and ready. And when she came in, we all screamed, happy birthday. Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted. Her mouth fell open and her knees buckled. And when she finished, when we finished singing, tears were streaming down her face. And when we brought out the cake, she started to sob but she didn't want anybody to eat the cake. She wanted to keep it as a memory of the fact that she had had a birthday party for the first time in her life. She said to all of us, she lived right around the corner and she grabbed the cake and she ran out of the place and took it to her house. She walked out and Tony said we were all so stunned that she left with the cake. We didn't know what else to do. Me being a preacher, I led us in prayer. So he led in prayer for Agnes and he prayed that she would come to Christ and find him in her life and that it would be different and that she would have a great birthday. And Tony said, when I finished praying the prayer, the guy behind the counter, as everyone kind of dispersed at that point, said, you never told us you were a preacher. (laughs) What kind of church do you belong to? And Tony's answer was, I belong to the kind of church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3 o'clock in the morning. And that guy's response was, no, you don't. There is no such church like that because if there was, I tell you right now, I would join it. You see, when you read the New Testament, you see Jesus lavishing grace and love on people who were put down, used up, Broken, left behind, outcast. Jesus noticed those people. And we are called to be His eyes and notice those people. Amen, EBC? We're all broken. We're all messed up. Jesus would be accused of, of being a friend to drunkards. He even got accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. The religious people criticized him for this. He would take risks. He would would engage with people that nobody else would engage with. And when you do that kind of ministry, it gets messy because our lives are messy. But he's the kind of God that comes down, rolls up his sleeves, and gets involved. He doesn't look the other way. He notices people. Why did he take those risks? It's love. You know why we're having Easter this upcoming week? What's the motive? Love. He loved us. He loves you. He loves me. In all of our brokenness, Romans 5.8 says, in spite of the fact we're still still sinners, Christ died for us. He proved his love for us is what the Bible says. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I'm going to ask you to get out of your comfort zone this week. I'm going to ask you to take a risk this week. For some of you, this is going to be huge. But I, I just can you imagine what would happen if you, the body of Christ, were doing this all week. When God gives you a divine appointment, you open your eyes. You see someone that maybe is struggling this week. You might get rejected. It's risky. OK, not everything turns out great. Did you hear Mike say sometimes he'd talk about it and Thomas would get angry about it? He didn't want to hear it sometimes but you just keep loving and you do those acts of kindness and you get involved in people's lives and you know, and you'd be willing to do this. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Pray with someone this week. If you see someone and you recognize it as a divine appointment, what if you just said, you know, I don't know the answer to your problems, but can I just pray for you right now? And you had boldness enough to say, I'll pray for you. I've been in ministry for 25 years. You realize I've never had one person turn me down praying for them, even people who aren't believers. I just said, can I just just say a quick prayer for you? There have been many times after I finished praying when they are in tears after I've prayed for them. There have been a number of times many of them have said that is the first time anybody has ever prayed for me. That shouldn't be the case in Saginaw and Eagle Mountain Lake area, should it? We should be mobilized, praying with people, being his eyes, being his hands, being his feet. We, I want to challenge you. I really want to challenge you. If God leads you to do that this week, pray for someone this week. Just say, can I pray for you right now? You look like you're having a hard time. I don't have the answer, but I want to pray for you. Here's the other thing I want to challenge you to take a risk in. This is going to be big. Invite someone that's unchurched to come on Easter weekend. Do you realize that, now I know there's not a lot of room in this service, but there's room, going to be room at 7 o'clock. There's going to be room at 8.30. Maybe some of you could make room for some of the ones who are going to be coming in. We'll fill every seat, hopefully, these, this next week. Do you, you, I hope you know that your pastors, we don't care how big or how many people. It's not about that. We just want every person to hear the gospel. Because next week, I'm going to preach the message of the gospel And every person needs to hear how much Jesus loves them. And so what what would happen if you just got bold this week and said, I'm going to ask somebody. They might turn you down. Do you know what? They might not. And they may come with you. And the next thing you know, can can I just take the pressure off of you? It's not your job or my job to convert them. It's not. Do we realize that the Holy Spirit does that? Your job is just to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. To love people. To be what Christ has called you to be. Invite someone. Here's the final thing. All right. Take a risk. As you're looking around, if you're going to love like Jesus, you're going to have to reach out in kindness. When you look at Jesus and the way he engaged with people, do you realize the only people he was harsh with were religious hypocrites? But everyone else, he was incredibly kind. His kindness just impacted people. He did these acts of kindness. You know what I notice about this particular instance is he reached out to this woman. Love reaches out. Love does something in response. It doesn't just speak it. It it, it acts it. It lives this out, okay? And so here is what I noticed, though. He spoke to this woman. He spoke to her. That's something that he did. He spoke to her. Your words have power. There are people that will cross your paths this week that all they will hear is just the world. Beat them down all week. What if your kind word is the only kind word they hear all week? You intentionally say, I'm going to speak kindness into people's lives this week. I'm going to speak kindness. You know what Jesus did? I love this. Look at what he says in verse 16. It says that Jesus says to her, and he called her a dear woman, which that's a great term of endearment. It's the same thing he said to his mother. He didn't just say this woman over here or whatever. He said this dear woman. And now I want you to notice this. He calls her a daughter of Abraham. That's a big deal. Daughter of Abraham, he's speaking blessing over her. She's been held in bondage. You need to know that many of them thought that she had the problem that she had because she had done something wrong. And he's saying she hasn't done anything wrong here. She's just broken. It's a broken world. She's a daughter of Abraham, just like you're a son and daughter of Abraham. And God loves her just as much, okay? And he goes on. He speaks over that. I imagine when he heals her, she's not only healed physically. He called her a daughter of Abraham. She has a spring in her step. He spoke words of life over her. She walks out of that place thinking this very thought. Not only did he heal me physically, he touched my soul. He touched my emotion. He called me a daughter of Abraham. Do you know what that means? I matter, It's what God says over every one of you and over every person that's out in our paths we'll cross. People matter to God. And you matter to Him. He spoke to her. The other thing that I see that He did was that he touched her. And I know that this was risky back then in that culture. Men, Jewish men did not touch women like that, that were not their spouse or their family. They certainly didn't do this in public. They didn't even speak to them. But, But, you know, do you realize Jesus could have said, you're healed, and never put his hands on her. He had that power. But did you realize this, that Jesus put his hand on her? because he knows the power of human touch. He knew she needed just a touch, just a pat on the back. You know, and I know it's risky in our culture today where everyone's suing everyone for inappropriate touch and that happens all the time. It's still there is an appropriate way to touch a person. Okay? And I'm not a real touchy person. Many of you know that, okay? So I have to intentionally realize sometimes the side hug I give some of you may be the hug I realize this It may be the only hug someone gets all week. And so he spoke to her. He touched her. So here's your application point, and we're going to pray. I'm going to challenge you to do this. Tell somebody, maybe you wouldn't normally say this to, tell them you love them this week. Speak some kindness into their life. Let them know they matter. Take a risk. Say something. And then here's the other thing. Man, give somebody a handshake. Give somebody maybe a hug that you think might need one. You can do it in an appropriate way. You don't have to be a creeper or anything like that. You can do it in an appropriate way. All right. But I just noticed that about Jesus. Do you see that he, he, he just he loves people and he's called us to love people. That's why we started EVC. We want people to know all of this, how much Christ loves them. I challenge you to begin to see people the way God sees them, the eyes of our beholder. I want to I want to end with this question. Thomas is going to be in heaven because Mike decided to get involved it was messy. It was challenging. Is anyone going to be in heaven because of you? Because you decided to, to say, here I am, God. I'm, I'm open. I'm willing. Would you use me? Let's pray about that. Father, we just stopped and pause before you right now to praise you, Lord, that you were willing to get involved in the mess in this world, in the mess of our lives that we have made it. That you loved us. That you pay attention to us. That you're not too busy for us. You see us. Would you give us your people, this body of Christ, would you give us your eyes? Would you open our eyes? Would you would you speak to us? Lord, Would would we... Lord, would you speak to us today that every day this week going into Holy Week, we not only contemplate how much you love us, but we realize you've loved us so that we can love people for you and that you'll love people through us. We don't want to be just a container of your blessing. We want to be a conduit of your blessing. We want to be a channel of your blessing. We don't want a stale religion anymore, God. We want a... a Just an experience with you that is vibrant and alive and is a relationship with you. God, would you use us this week to be your hands and feet in a world that's broken and hurting. Lord Jesus, here we are. Send us. I pray that some of you would discover for the first time how much Jesus loves you today never trusted him as your savior but you call on him today to save you Say, jesus i want to follow a god like you would you be my savior thank you jesus for saving me, for dying for me for being raised from the dead i turn from my from my old life i want to put my my life into your hands and it's in your name that i pray